How many times have you heard these words during an election cycle in our country? It's the economy, stupid. Well, this is no longer the case. Welcome to Kingdom of Currents. I'm Glenn Schultz, your host. We have just gone through another national election in the country. And even though the vote took place a couple of weeks ago, there are still races that haven't been called as I record this episode. Going into the election, people on both sides of the political spectrum were predicting that one party was going to win big and control both the House and the Senate. One of the predictors that people believed would cause this quote-unquote red wave was the economy. You see, uh, polls going into the election and the exit polls of those having voted found that almost 70% of Americans were concerned about just three big things, the economy, inflation, and safety. This same percentage of people uh, did not believe the country was going in the right direction. Yet when the votes were actually counted, it is clear that these issues did not play out when people actually marked their ballots. It's the economy, stupid, really didn't ring true. So what happened? Let me share some facts about this election. NPR reported that in every state where voters were asked to weigh in directly on abortion rights, they supported measures, and I would say candidates, that protected those rights and rejected initiatives that could threaten them. The, the most alarming example of this can be seen in a ballot initiative in Montana where voters rejected a measure that would have merely required medical workers to provide care to infants born prematurely or in rare instances of surviving an attempted abortion or they would face penalties. I recently saw a post on Facebook that is another clear illustration of how we have forsaken biblical morality in our country, and that has affected how people vote. This post gave the following statistics. It stated, Colorado has offered free birth control for the last five years and has seen, number one, unintended pregnancies drop by 40%, abortion fall by 42%, millions in public health coverage saved. Share if you think we need to do this with the whole country. You know, some would look at those percentages and say, well, that's, that's pretty good to see pregnancies uh, drop and abortions uh, percentages fall off. But you've got to understand, I was really shocked because what these statistics were saying in, in this giving free birth control, what it was doing, it was saying that people can have sexual freedom outside of marriage without facing uh, the moral consequences of such. In fact, you can go and have all the sex you want with how many people you want and things like this, because don't worry, we're going to give you free birth control so you won't have unintended pregnancies and therefore abortion rates will fall. Dr. Al Mohler called the vote results that reflected on the sanctity of life an unmitigated disaster. Not only did abortion rights win out in these elections, but also the ongoing practice of mutilating young children's bodies in the name of inclusion and acceptance of the uh, transgenderism that is running rampant through society. Jim Dennison in his daily blog made this statement, The recent elections reveal something deeply urgent about the state of our culture. 
Now, he explained the state of our culture this way. Today's postmodern, post-Christian, I would actually say anti-Christian society, is increasing antagonistic to biblical moral values. Richard John Newhouse uh, was correct when he said that culture is the root of politics and religion is the root of culture. That means that when someone gets involved in politics, they're merely expressing a certain religion. In a recent article written by Virgil Walker, Newhouse's statement is expanded upon. Walker wrote, Upon abandoning a biblical-based moral framework, the United States has not become less religious since its founding. Instead, the vast majority of citizens have traded Christianity for hedonistic self-aggrandizement. We are witnessing the judgment of abandonment of biblical morality as politicians and political parties advocate for child sacrifice, child mutilization, and the codification of gender confusion into our laws. If we go back into history, in his Gettysburg Address, Abraham Lincoln stated that sort of our freedoms are solidified in a democracy that is grounded in, quote, unquote, government of the people, by the people, for the people. However, this can only be true when the people are grounded in truth. George Washington made this clear in his farewell address. He stated, of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion, now be reminded that was Christianity at the time, and morality are indispensable supports. Now, individual feelings and beliefs are the indispensable supports that the majority of Americans believe will lead to political prosperity. This shift from being truth-driven to being feelings-driven was explained in C.S. Lewis's The Abolition of Man, where he wrote, For the wise men of old, the cardinal problem had been how to conform the soul to reality, and the solution has been knowledge, self-discipline, and virtue. But then he went on to say, for, the, for magic and applied science alike, the problem is how to subdue reality to the wishes of men, and the solution is merely technique. Here is what we must understand. A worldview shapes culture. Then the culture reinforces the worldview and passes it on to the next generation. As worldviews shape the culture... Culture becomes a reflection of the god or gods that are worshipped. Culture then forms the framework that defines social, economic, political, and legal institutions. Daryl Harrison recently posted this warning on his social media account. He said, When you cast your vote for a person, you're casting a vote for that person's worldview. Elections are fundamentally about worldviews. There are elected officials whose worldview dictates that they use their office to aid in America's destruction. So how did we get to the point that the majority of Americans have a man-centered, secular worldview by which they vote to support their individual, hedonistic, self-centered feelings and emotions, even if it means the economy completely collapses? I want to pull from a sermon I first heard back in June of 2020. 
It was delivered by my friend, Pastor James McManus of Word of God Ministries. Now, if you recall, at that time, our country was being ripped apart by riots and rhetoric that was causing deep divisions all across the land. I asked Pastor McManus permission to include this sermon as one of the resources on my member's site. And I have listened to it a couple of times in the last couple days while preparing for this episode of Kingdom Currents. The main text of the sermon was taken from Matthew 13. In this chapter, there are two related parables that Jesus gave on sowing seed and the battle between God and Satan in what seed is sown. Now, the first parable of the seed is where Jesus explains that the condition of the soil will determine if there will be a good or a bad harvest. The seed is God's word, and the soil is the heart of each and every person. And the condition of the soil is the result of Satan trying to destroy the seed that God is planting. After this parable, Jesus then gave another parable about planting seed. And this is where McManus makes some powerful statements that I believe will give us great insight into how our culture and our country has become so evil. Listen to what Jesus taught his disciples. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us to then go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. Now, most of us know this parable. The owner gives his servant good seed, and they go out and plant it. Then while they are asleep, the enemy creeps in and plants bad seed in the same field. After some time, the servants see that tares are growing up along with the wheat. They ask the owner, did he give them bad seed? And the owner explains what the enemy had done. Now, here's where McManus explained that the seed that was sown produced a harvest, and the harvest is the same thing as culture. All a culture is, is the harvest of what seed has been sown into the field. The culture of a society is simply the harvest of the seed that has been sown into the society. The same is true with the culture of one's home and or one's church and even one's own life. The culture of those individual entities are just a reflection of the type of seed that was sown over long periods of time. McManus went on to state that every person is living to advance some type of culture, and the culture that each person wants to advance is determined by what seed had been planted in that person's life over the years. See, the real war we're facing is a culture war, a war of contrasting seed, good and bad. Now, we must understand that a harvest or culture doesn't just spring up out of thin air overnight. No, harvest or cultures are planted for, and then they're cultivated, and eventually they develop. 
Now, here's a key point of emphasis I want to make. Whatever is sown and cultivated into a society will be harvested by the society. The only way that you become part of any culture is that you have to sow its seed into your own life. When that happens, then you will go out and advance the same culture by taking its seed and planting it into other people's lives. McManus went on to explain how Satan is also planting seed, bad seed. So he can produce an ungodly culture, and then he wants us to advance that ungodly culture. It was at this point in the sermon uh, that Pastor James made this statement. Too long the body of Christ has believed we could hear a little bit of the word on Sunday and then let everything get sown on top of that in between Sundays. You can't just get a little word in your heart and then let the world sow everything it wants to sow in your heart and you think you're going to advance the culture of the kingdom? No, he said, we must make a consistent decision of what you and I are going to allow into our hearts. We as Christians, we as ministers, we as parents have let the enemy come in and sow perverted seed in our hearts, perverted seed in our children's lives, even in our homes. He explained there are things church-going parents will allow in their home that if it were allowed in the church, they would leave the church, but they won't leave their own homes. See, the culture of our lives is always going to look like the seed that is being sown into it. And remember, culture is what produces politics. One thing we must understand is that Satan is very strategic when it comes to planting bad seed in our lives. In verse 25, it reads that, quote, unquote, while men slept. See, the enemy planted the bad seed when he realized he could take advantage of them because they were asleep or not paying attention, they were getting complacent or just being lazy. See, when we're not aware of what's going on around us, that's the time when Satan's going to spring into action and start planting some bad seed. It is also important to understand that when, when did the servants actually notice that there were tares growing among the grain? Well, they didn't notice it for some time. It wasn't until the grain had sprouted and produced fruit. Then they saw that the tares or the weeds were there. See, when th- something comes to harvest or produces a crop, that something just didn't happen all of a sudden. No, it was planted much earlier. See, they didn't pay any attention to the bad seed that was being planted until there was some fruit produced. The fruit that comes uh, to harvest is what has been consistently planted before that. So here's the big question I want to try and ask to tie all this together. How does all this fit into what just happened in the last election? Well, you see, the ideas, worldviews, beliefs that were voted for is simply the harvest of the ideas, worldview, beliefs that have been consistently sown into the majority of hearts and minds for years, even decades. And the primary means by which these ideas have been sown has been our country's educational system. In the mid-1800s, when too many Christians weren't paying attention, they were asleep, The education of children was taken away from the home and church and placed in the hands of the government. 
At first, this didn't seem so bad. However, in reality, back then, the secularization of society was underway. Now, there have been some bold Christians over the years that have tried to warn the home and church about the danger of giving children a secular education. However, these warnings have pretty much not been taken seriously by the vast majority of Christian parents, pastors, church leaders, and even educators. However, now we're seeing the fruit that is being produced as the bad seeds of secular education are becoming ripe unto harvest. Lies about what it means to be a human, the role of government, and what is right and wrong have been consistently planted into the hearts and minds of young people. And we must understand that a young child's life is that fertile ground. The ground in that other parable about the farmer planting seed, that ground that is prepared and soft and ready to receive seed, well, that's what young children's hearts are. Uh, they're, they're fertile ground for planting seed, and it will produce a plentiful harvest of some kind depending on what type of seed is planted in it. As children have been fed a constant diet of anti-biblical beliefs and values in their educational system, the culture began showing signs of a rejection of Christianity and biblical moral values. These children grew up not only embracing these false worldviews, but also planting more bad seed in the next generation that followed them. Today's culture is one that is now completely secular. We are now seeing right uh, being called wrong and wrong being called right. In fact, we have gone even further in our moral decline where immorality is now celebrated even though the consequences are bankrupting the country. I believe it's time for the body of Christ to stand up and say enough is enough. This has to stop and it must begin with our children and youth. Oh yes, we need to continue to do our civic duty and be good citizens and vote in line with biblical moral values. However, what is most needed is to stop sending our children to secular educational institutes, both public and private, where bad seed is going to be consistently planted into their hearts and minds. We must educate future generations by planting good seeds of truth in every subject, lesson, and activity they're involved in. I believe we must heed the words of Paul when he wrote in Romans 13 the following, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. It is time where we go and say, you know what? We are not going to allow the enemy to come in and, and overseed our children's lives with bad seed based on faulty worldviews and, and lies about every aspect of life. During my time at Sherwood Baptist Church and Sherwood Christian Academy, my pastor, Dr. Michael Catt, had a saying that pretty much drove much of the church's ministries. In fact, this quote of his was so foundational to all we were doing there that they actually put it uh, on the wall in big letters in the atrium. And if you go there today, it's still there. You can't miss it. It, it, it goes across the entire uh, one end of the atrium. And it simply reads this, 
Whoever wants the next generation the most will get them. Christians must stand up and say, we want the next generation more than the world does. We will no longer allow the bad seeds of false worldviews be planted in the minds of our children. We will plant seeds of truth by giving them a biblical worldview education. However, we've got to answer this question. Are we really up to that challenge? Will these last elections be a wake-up call to action, not just a vote, but to go and give our children biblical education grounded on the truth of God's Word? I want to thank you for tuning in to current, uh, Kingdom Currents. I, I pray that today's episode will, will help you understand the danger of allowing Satan to plant bad seed in our hearts and minds. And, and If you understand that and you want to get this message out to others, I'm asking you, please subscribe to the podcast and then share this podcast with others. Let's get the word out. Let's put a stake in the ground and saying, you know what? These elections showed us one thing. The culture that is driving politics is anti-Christian. And it's because of the seed that has been planted in young hearts and minds over decades of time through education. And we've got to change that. We've got to give our children a biblical education. And so if you'll share this podcast with others, I believe we can get the word out and maybe Christians can rise up to the, to the challenge and make sure that our children are educated biblically. Have a blessed day. Frameworks is an exciting new initiative utilizing the learning management system of Grand Canyon University. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com.